Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Marie Forleo. Uh, Marie is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Everything is Figure Outable, uh, and she's also the creator of the business training program called B-School. You've probably heard of it, wildly successful um, wildly popular and has helped so many businesses be launched over about a decade now, I think. Um, she's also the star of Marie TV, over 52 million views, and the host of the Marie Forleo podcast. I've been waiting on this one for a long time. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to talk about her book uh, and how she launched it, how she published it, as well as um, some, new, some new concepts she's been working on uh, in a program called Time Genius and how you can use those to help with your book. Marie, great to have you here. Oh, it's so good to be here. This is so much fun. I am too a, such a book lover. It's probably the thing that I buy the most. I read the most. I will never stop. I have books all over the place. So this is a joy. Yeah. So um, you, we were talking about before the interview. So self-published a book in 2008 and then traditionally published a book in 2019. I really would love to go. I mean, you can go either way you want, but yeah. why the, it, I mean, big gap. And then the second one is like your big business book. So why did you decide to write that book and how did you see it kind of fitting with your personal goals, your business goals, all that stuff? Yeah. So, you know, when I published my first book, which was self-published way back in the day, it actually came out of the fact that um, when I was training to become a life coach, uh, one of the online classes I took at the time, and by the way, this is like way back in 2002, 2003, it was all about how to use an ebook to market your coaching practice. And so I had written this ebook and it was terrible. I mean, it was the best that I could do, but it was filled with exclamation points and hot pink. And I did it all on Microsoft word at that time. And, you know, no one had heard of PDFs, but I started selling it. And I remember I was still bartending, waiting tables to um, make ends meet living in New York city. And I remember coming home from a bar shift one night and someone had bought my book online. And I think I was selling it for like $29.95. And I would just, you know, maybe come away from the bar with like a hundred dollars in tips. And I was like, wait, I made like 30 bucks. This incredible human in Spain just downloaded my book. Now they're going to get these ideas. Like it was that mind blowing moment. Mm, yeah. And so um, once the ebook started selling, I was like, you know what? I really, I love books. So I want it to be in physical form. So I did all the research. I didn't feel like uh, a, I didn't have a platform and I knew what that was at that time. And um, I didn't feel like going to a traditional publisher was like the right move for me. So I researched everything. I found a printer. I hired a book coach. I hired um, an editor, a designer, and and saved up my money. And I think I had like an initial print run of maybe like 10,000 copies and just started selling them on Amazon. My parents helped me like pack them up. Like it was this whole thing. And then after that sold for a little while, I actually got approached by a publisher it was McGraw Hill. And they said, Hey, you've actually been selling pretty well on your own. Like, do you want us to take this over? So when I sold it to them, this is when, and this gets to the answer to your question, why there was such a big gap. It was my first interaction with a big house. 
and they changed my subtitle. There was like a bunch of stuff that I did not have control over anymore. Mm -hmm. The artwork, you know, all of these different things. And for me as an individual, I creativity is everything to me. And I have a very strong vision about everything. I'm extremely opinionated and I want my work to come out in the way I want it to come out. And while I was super grateful to get that deal, to have it taken over by a publisher, I think it, it wound up being translated into 16 languages, which was amazing. I found myself really frustrated with the process of someone else telling me who my market is, how this is going to look and feel and how it's going to go down. So to be really candid, that was the reason why I didn't want to write another book for a while. Cause I'm like, mm, well, I yeah. have Marie TV. I've got, you know, my podcast, I've got B school. I've got the copy cure. I've got all these other ways yeah. that I love changing people's lives. But then I think it was probably around 2015. I started getting the itch again. So I was like, <laughs> I think yeah. I got the itch. I think I need to do it. Uh, I wound up getting invited um, onto Oprah's stage. She was doing um, a big event called Super Soul Sunday. And they, her and her team asked me to speak at that. And I had this idea for the book. And I said, you know what? I'm going to base this 18 minute TED style talk around this idea. And uh -huh. that's going to kind of be my way to test drive whether or not there is the kind of feedback. And I get the kind of feeling like, yes, this needs to be the book. So in 2016, I did that talk. In 2017, then I went back and did, okay, I'm going to go out again to traditional publishers because I really wanted to get as wide of an audience as possible. My team was already filled up. I knew what self-publishing was, and I just wanted to have a much different experience. I'm also at a different part of my career. So that was a little bit of the why. I don't know if I answered all of your questions, right. but that kind of paints the context for the beginning and then this most recent one. Yeah. And then did you, did you just feel like, hey, this concept resonated and I've got a lot that I can say, therefore like, Hey, let's, let's go and do this. Yes. And it was really an experience too, for me, it, you know, everything is figure outable. So it's this book, right. Um, it's the core philosophy of my entire existence. And when I thought about it, I said, you know, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, what's the one thing that I wish I would have communicated, shared, and developed to such a full degree that, you know, if I'm off to my next cosmic adventure, I could be like, I did it. Great. I shared all I had to say. And um, that notion of everything is figure outable for me was like this, such a sacred idea in my heart. And once I did that Oprah talk and I felt it in my bones and I saw the reaction, I was like, yes, there's so mm. much that I have to say about this. And so I felt really excited to pour all of that into a traditional book. That makes sense. And so did, did you see this as something with this topic and with this book? Did you see this as something that's like, hey, this is a fun side thing? Did you see this as something that's like, okay, this is core to my business and like, I'm going to actually integrate it into it? Like, where was yeah. it kind of in the mix it's, of all that? It's a great question. So two things. Didn't necessarily see it as a side thing, but it wasn't, you know, like we all know, uh, and by the way, this is not a bad thing at all. I think this is very smart and strategic. There's a lot of times when folks write books and they're almost like lead generators, right? And so there's really a strategic map to their customer journey. Like you buy the book, then you sign up for this thing, then you maybe become a larger client, or it's just an entire ecosystem that's built. And as someone who loves marketing, I've been doing online marketing for over 20 years, I get that model very clearly, but this book didn't feel like that to me. For mm. me, it was part of the larger brand. It was part of the larger ecosystem. It wasn't just a side thing, but I didn't build out an entire funnel. It, it was, it was literally what I said about, you know what, 
life is short. Don't know how long I'm going to be here. This feels like the underlying ethos and philosophy that if you're going to work with me on any level in any program that I offer, if you don't get this piece, you're probably not going to have success. So while it wasn't as strategic or neatly embedded Mm. into a particular funnel, it is top of funnel because if someone doesn't resonate with this idea, they shouldn't be anywhere near the rest of our brand. Does that make sense? Mm, oh, that makes sense. So you feel like it's almost like the ethos of like in, within all this stuff. So it's not a how-to like, okay, this is not a B-school book or- a, It's not. Or it's not how to start a business. That to that. Yeah. Correct. It's not about copywriting. It's not about like, you know, my first book, which was, um, and it's a sassy title, right? And it's probably not even quote unquote, you know, um, acceptable anymore. But back in the day, it was great. It was like, uh, how to make every man want you was the name of the book. It was a dating book for women. And the subtitle was how to be so damn irresistible. You'll barely keep from dating yourself. (laughs) So, um, it fun, cheeky, right. But that's solving a specific problem. But even then it was a little bit of a Trojan horse book because it on the surface, it was about dating and relationships, but it was really mm-hmm. about being present. And it was about unwiring some of the limiting and negative beliefs that all of us can um, just absorb about ourselves and relationships and expectations and uh, the kind of challenges that I went through. And then when I was exposed to this whole other body of knowledge about presence, it was like it shifted everything for me. And I wanted to mm-hmm. share that, but I knew if I called it, you know, how to be present, no one would buy that book. Yeah. And so, um, to get back to what your comment was with everything is figure outable as a coach for me, if someone doesn't believe that they have the power within them to transform or transcend any challenge that they face, then I'm not going to be a great coach for them. I'm not going to be any value to them. And even if someone buys the book and they never work for me, I wanted to pack this book with so much value that they could use it as a how-to manual for unlocking their own potential. Mm, That's great. And I love that you mentioned the the Trojan horse concept. And I I, I call it a kind of funny sounding, but chocolate covered broccoli. Like tell them what they want, give them what they need. And, 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 and so, and I think that's an important message for anyone listening or watching is if you have a topic that's, you know, like, let's say back pain, for instance, right. You could, you could write a book on posture because that's what they really needed to do to fix their back pain. Or you could write a book on how to fix your back pain, correct pain pills versus vitamins, pain cells. And I think you did it. I love that, that concept with that book. Oh, it's the same thing. I mean, and we talk about this, you know, I, I kind of drill this in and B school all the time. It's like, as experts as someone who has any kind of expertise, you know, you're coming from such a beautiful place. It's coming from a a place of like, Oh, but I want to help. And this is exactly, this is really what they need. And there's like, Nope, you got to meet people exactly where they're at, stand shoulder to shoulder with them. And then also recognize too. And this was like a great lesson for me. Just one more example. I remember when I first got my puppy, my puppy Kuma, this is like over 12 years ago. Um, I think it was the, the vet was like, Hey, you know, you should really take this flea stuff, you know, and prevent him from getting, I'm like, I don't, what, he's not going to get fleas. Right. And, uh, and I remember like three or four months later, we were at the beach. He was around a bunch of other dogs and he got fleas. And I spent so much money fixing that problem. Once you are in a space of pain, I was like, I need the flea shampoo. I need the flea comb. I need the flea prevention. I need all this. And I was on every website and they could have sold me the world 
to kind of eliminate this problem. But when I was in the stage of like not having the pain, wasn't willing to buy the prevention. Yeah, that's so great. How do you resist the urge? And maybe this is down the, maybe this is down the way a bit, but to not just write the B-School book. Like, I mean, like in some ways that would be, it's, it's expected. It's directly correlated with the business. I'm sure yeah. you had publishers knocking on your door about that. Just like that topic. Like how do you resist the urge to do that and do this book instead? So, you know, the funny thing about that is that I'm like, but I've said it all in B-School. Like, yeah. do, you know, it's like, yeah. and I don't feel that I could have, at least at that time, I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I going to actually say in this book that's going to be different than the program? And then the program, there's the benefit of mentor coaches and all these examples and fun sheets. And I just felt like, you know, then it would just be maybe a sales, but I don't, like it didn't, it wasn't clear to be honest to me. And the other piece of it, which is even more important, I just didn't want to do it. Like yeah. I didn't want to do it. It was like, I pour so much and have poured so much um, and love it into B-School when we do it. But it was like, uh, that's not the whole of me, right? That's not mm. the whole of the business. Mm. That's not the whole of what we offer. And um, I found that after we published everything as Figure Outable in 2019, you know, we saw a huge influx in business. Um, and I didn't have to necessarily talk about business and everything as Figure Outable. I mean, there's stories in there that are related yeah. to business because that's a huge part of my life. Um, but it didn't have to be that tightly correlated for there to be a noticeable increase in the overall business growth. Yeah, that makes sense. And and so how did you uh, how did you balance? You know, you got somewhere between core to your business and side project, and it's not yeah. it wasn't really on either one of those directly. So it's kind of in the middle. How do you how do you balance running the business while also getting the book done and kind of like? Oh my God, I struggled. Like, I I I was on the struggle bus for so long. So. Um, I am really an effective person and not by nature because I work so hard because I made so many mistakes. That I had to get this way. And when I got the book deal and we were all my entire team, everybody knew like, okay, she's got to focus on the book. And it was so hard because, you know, the business doesn't stop and our show wasn't going to stop and all the other things I was doing didn't stop. So the thing that helped me and again, I got here through a lot of pain and a lot of tears and a lot of feeling like a failure was I had to wake up every day at about 5 a.m. and devote like two to four hours every single morning to writing the book, then take a little bit of a break, you know, work out, do whatever, and then be on with the rest of my day. I also had to be even more restrictive about what I was saying yes to. So I'm pretty good at saying no. Um, again, got there over time, uh, didn't come naturally to me, but it's uh, just the thing that has to be done now in order for me to have any sort of peace. And when I was writing the book, it was just like, nope. Like I told my friends, you know, a lot of my family was like, hey, you're probably not going to see me for a little bit. It's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm in this stage of creation and like a creation cave and it's not going to last forever. It's a very limited amount of time, but um, you know, that's what, that's what this is. And that was the only thing that helped me get through it. And I feel that I just, I just came out the other side of that with my most recent book and it's, man, it's so difficult. And then you have it because you've got the business and like you said, it doesn't go away and there's problems and there's fires and there's all that, but then almost in a weird way, I don't know if you ever felt this way is by saying to the whole team, like, Hey, I'm going to go write the book. You, you feel kind of like this pressure of like, I've got to go do this. Like, I've got to go do this on my own now, you know? 
Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. Yeah, so then that's really interesting because um, that experience happened to me in the beginning part of it. And then what really made a transformative difference to me was, um, so I have a, a writing and a content team. And my senior editor, who I'm so close with, and she's the one who like, she gets me, she used to be a customer, is like, she's just been here for a long time. And I brought her in once I had the manuscript, kind of like the initial draft done. And then she started editing the book with me, then it got fun because she was able to also play liaison. Like, you know, she was spending a few hours with a, with me on this a day and she would kind of be able to parse out to the rest of the team. Like, oh, here's where it's at. Here's where it's going. So I also didn't feel so alone. I'm a hugely collaborative person and the actual getting down of the book, I find so difficult. Like, I don't know how your experience is writing. Yeah, oh, very um, it, there's like, I think I have maybe one friend or two friends who are like, oh, I just channel my books and I want to like, shake, <laughs> I want to shake them. I'm like, who are you? Like, get out of here. I mean, I love them and God bless. That's incredible. It's like, it, it's something I wish I had. I do not have that talent right now. Maybe I'll be able to develop it, but it is hard. I find, you know, I write all of my emails. I write sales copy. I write all my programs. Um, you know, my team helps in terms of editing and helping me shape and adding and whatever, all that but I'm the one who lays everything down. And I found it so disheartening that when I sat down to write my book, it was like, I've never written before in my life. Never. Even though I wrote a book in you know yeah. 2008 and I write emails and content all day long, somehow, I don't know if it's psychological. Have you experienced this? It's just oh, definitely. different. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then you get in your head because then you get the draft and you read the draft and you're like, oh, this sucks. I suck. Why am I even doing this? Why totally. Do this? A good idea. Totally. And start spiraling. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I got to, I got to get, get with it. And then, but then you couple that with, I told the team, this is going to be done by this date. That date's approaching. I feel like I'm on this Island doing this. And then you just, it's just like this whole, it's a, it's a weird thing. And in some ways I feel like it was easier writing the first or one or two books because there's no expectations there's no big team there's yeah like hey so how's the book there's no like like people because when you're like you said when you go into that afternoon and you did business in the afternoon which I love that schedule you know naturally we were like hey how's the book going and then yeah. you feel that and then you're channeling that yeah oh yeah I mean I think for me one of the best things was with my team in particular um they didn't really ask that many questions which was great because um they had so many other things they needed to talk to me about. And they just kind of trust me. They're like, yeah. she'll produce it. Like she'll get yeah. it done somehow. Yeah. And uh, yeah. For sure. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit and go into the launch. Yes. How, how did the book launch so well? And, and what sold the most copies? So that was definitely uh, because I love marketing. It was like a very, um, it was an intense process because I know marketing and I know a lot of authors. And so I've watched and witnessed what works and what doesn't. And so for me, it was about, Hey, how do we really 
load up those pre-orders? How do I leverage, you know, this incredible audience that I love serving over two decades now where there's a lot of goodwill, you know, we provide incredible free content every single week. And um, I know they were excited for me because I'd been letting them in on the process the whole way. And I said, let me create, and this was actually fun. So when I handed in my initial manuscript, there was an extra chapter and I was so proud of this chapter and my publishers, they didn't like it. They're like, no, we don't think, we think it kind of like takes it off in this new direction. And at first I was so crestfallen. I was like, oh, you know, how could you not like this you know, wonderful chapter? And I was like, give me that chapter because that's actually can be a free course. So I took this material and I said, you know what, let me create this free course out of this kind of missing chapter and use that as an incentive for pre-orders. So we had a series of um, webinars that we did that we said, Hey, here's like what the promise of this pre-course is and you can't buy it, but you can get it if you order at least one copy, you know, in, in terms of pre-orders. So mm. that was kind of the big thing. And then I was also a little wild and, um, crazy in a good way. I had this vision. I said, what if, um, a Ted talk and a Beyonce concert and a block party, got together and had a baby, what would that look like as a book launch party? So then I came up with this wild idea to do a concert for a book launch where there was going to be like literally Beyonce's dancers and me dancing, and then kind of talking through the book and having it be this interactive experience. And so that was another piece of the launch was selling tickets to the Hammerstein ballroom in, here in New York City. Um, so it was those two things. And then I think in terms of what sold the most books, um, I think a really good pre-order offer, which was that course. And then also I think being extremely strategic and mindful um, and honestly um, persistent about the kinds of podcasts that I wanted to get on and lining those up. Uh, the advantage that I have is because I've had a show for so long and I've gone out for so many people, not from a strategic standpoint, just because I really love them and I believe in their work. And I, you know, that's what I do. I want to help spread great ideas. But for some of those people who also happen to have audiences, they, once they got the book and they actually read it and they were like, oh my God, this thing's great. They're, yeah. So I think getting on um, podcasts and having all of that kind of be coordinated with the pre-launch, like in terms of the pre-orders, and then during um, both before pub and right after pub date, having a nice round of podcasts go out. Mm. So nice round of podcasts. You've got the book launch um, party is the big piece. You've got the, the missing chapter, which is kind of a great hook and the mini course and the pre And true. Bonuses. Like a hundred percent true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh my God, they thought this you was horrible. This I think this is great. <laughs> they get the chapters the publishers told me I couldn't put in the book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the, you'd say that were those kind of the three main things that sold the most copies? Yes. But if we're going to be absolutely like painfully honest, the, yeah. the thing is, is that I've been building an email list, right? For decades. For sure. So the audience that underpins all of those things, yeah. that was the thrust. Yeah. because I couldn't have gotten pre-orders. There would be no one to come to the Hammerstein ballroom. And yeah. if I hadn't built an audience and had other folks on my show, you know what I mean? Like it would yeah. have been a little bit of a heavier lift on that side. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, the, the uh, what did you say? It was the uh, um, Beyonce meets TED Talk meets concert. Meets um, block party. Meets block party. That's what it was. Uh, meets block party. 
how did that work? Like, did you sell tickets? Was it, yeah. was it oh, invite God. only? Like what, how no, many people it, were there? Like, what was like kind of the longest short of that? It was wild. It was was like, we did sell tickets. I was on Ticketmaster. Like that's a trip. I'm like, oh my God. Um, So there was tiered tickets, you know, bleachers less expensive than the VIP, which was up front, but with a ticket was a book sale. So those counted towards the Uh, pre-orders as well. Um, And we worked all of that out. Like I was diligent, you know, when I was kind of playing air traffic control with the event space, with my publishers, with, you know, local bookseller to say, okay, I need to make sure that for every ticket sold, every book gets counted in this pre-order. Yeah. So, um, so we did it that way. And uh, it was probably the most creatively intense thing that I've ever done in my life. Like the people that built our stage built like Kanye West's concert stages it was nutty pants like totally nutty pants best thing i've ever done that's awesome how how many um how many how many people ended up coming and did Gosh, a lot of books it's yeah well over two thousand. so wow. we sold out whatever the yeah. whatever the seat capacity is at hammerstein we sold it out it's and i it's in that 2000 ish range something it could be yeah. 2100 it might be 19 something like that but we had a full house that's amazing what a creative and unique way um, yeah. to sell a lot of books. Oh my God. Awesome. We're actually still editing the footage because that was 2019, right? When that happened. Yeah. And then 2020, we had all these other things on our plate and then freaking the world went yeah. like this, yeah. which we're still kind of in at the moment. Um, but we haven't released the footage yet. So we're going to actually, we're going to put that, we're going to figure out how to put that somewhere because, you know, only 2000 people got to see it. And it was a really great talk. It was really fun. It was very vibrant. And um, yeah, so we're excited to kind of bring that one out too. And, and I'm assuming the talk is is what was related to absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was certainly it was about the origin story of the book um, and kind of walking people through how to activate some of the main concepts in the book right then and there during this evening. And I kind of, you know, walk them through some of the exercises and key questions. And then some of the, the dancing and the videos kind of brought all of the material to life in a very visceral way. Cool. That's awesome. Um, I think I remember, uh, cause I remember seeing this, like you posted on social and all this stuff um, during the book launch. And I think I remember you doing some kind of big book tour as well, where you're yes. like going to different cities and stuff. What, yes. what, so- what was that? And, and how did that go? Uh, first of all, it was awesome. Uh, we did, gosh, maybe it was like seven or eight cities across the United States, um, which was lovely. And every venue was different there. Sometimes we were in churches. Sometimes we were in like big venue spaces. Sometimes we were in bookstores. Like, so it was very, very, um, varied in terms of the vibe and, um, people were super fun, but at each stop I had, uh, different folks who were like my host. And so it wasn't just Uh, me on stage. It was like fun to be in conversation with different people. Um, So great questions. And we took questions from the audience. That was really lovely. And then um, we had a three-stop tour in Australia. And then we had several different events in the UK, which was also fantastic. Yeah. So it was being on the road um, for quite a bit of time. And that for me was fantastic. A, I feel so incredibly blessed that we got to do all that before 2020. You're like four would, months right before COVID, I think. It, it was like the timing, or something, the time, it was it was September, October, yeah. and November. And honestly, we even did more stuff in. Listen to this: 
we did more stuff in London in February of 2020. And I have no idea how I did not catch COVID because I was in Europe at the exact time when we all didn't know, no one knew, right. It was just like, everything was everywhere. Um, but I came back and you know, the world kind of locked down. That's crazy. How many, um, if you had to guess how many books would you say were moved from that that tour and was it a similar type thing where it's like people purchased yes. a ticket to come to the thing they got it they got a book with it That's correct you know what on the spot I would be I have no idea like that's yeah. just me. And it feels like not that it was just two years ago. Yeah. It feels like it was 20 years ago given what yeah. we've all been through. But yes, I think the key part is every single stop it was like buy a ticket and you purchase a book. And I would recommend for anyone who's thinking of doing anything like that. Um, well, I had done research with other author friends who were, you know, pr- uh, basically publishing books a lot more frequently than I have, obviously. And that was one of the biggest keys that they told me. They said, hey, if you're going to do a tour, you have to make sure that with tickets comes um, a book. That's great. Yeah. And um, I was looking, it looks like you're right on the, you're knocking on the door of 4,000 reviews on Amazon. Oh, I don't even look. That's amazing. Thank you for letting me know. It's actually it's, a policy of mine. I do not look. Don't look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just get mad. You're just looking at reviews and, and you see one negative one and then you don't remember any of the positive ones. Well, and- I mean, right. We know about this. I mean, yeah. this is even one of the things I don't know if it's in this book or not, but I've talked about it so many times, like negativity bias is so real. And I yeah. understand how this thing works works and it doesn't matter. Like, it sounds so silly, right? You're like, oh my gosh, there's like almost 4,000 reviews. And the vast majority of them are four and five stars. Right. And then you get the one stinker who they, they might be like, if the cover was ripped, who knows what it is, but that thing sticks in your head and you can't even hear the other stuff. And I think yeah. for me as a creative, I've just, after doing this for so long, the book's done. Like, what am I going to do? I'm just me. There's going to be people that like me and people that don't. And my job is just to keep creating. Yeah. Um, on that note of review, is there, did you do anything special to get reviews as part of the Absolutely. We, um, well, I remember that after we took everyone through the free course, right? So my goal was to deliver as much value as humanly possible during that thing. And then we said, hey, if you loved it and if you love the book, please go leave us a review. The other thing that I did, and anyone could do this, um, on social, like on Instagram, every single time that people, oh my God, I got the book. I loved it. It changed my life. I said, this feedback means the world. If you feel, please go leave a review on Amazon saying whatever it is that you feel about the book because it makes a tremendous difference. So I was just really straight up and really transparent with people that reviews are one of the ways that will help the book um, continue to spread far more than, you know, and I, I so appreciate your words, but if you say it there, it's going to make an even bigger impact. And I think now this one is in like 32 languages and counting something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I got it. I remember the other night I came home from uh, dinner with my partner, Josh, and, uh, it was just like, Oh, you know, Haiti. I was like, wait, a deal from I was like, wait, what? Like, it was just so incredible. And I do think back to your point though, you know, asking people, and I think there was um, probably on our thank you pages in terms of online, our book website, you know, after someone opted in or did any particular action, our follow-up email said, Hey, if you enjoyed the book um, and you feel to Mm. please go leave a review on Amazon. So there's many different places that we could be explicit about asking for that support. We absolutely did. 
That's smart. Um, hey, one random question, and I don't know yeah. if this is an Amazon only thing or if this is, um, I just noticed I'm like, when I was looking at the book earlier today, it's like, this looks like a different cover. Um, oh, yeah. I remember for the book. So yes. did you change the cover? If so, was yes. that intentional? And what was the thought process behind that? Yeah. So um, the initial cover, which is a version of this one, right? This is the UK yep. version, but same one. Um, we were really excited and we loved this one and we knew this is what we wanted to come out with. And then when we had the opportunity to do a paperback, it's another opportunity for something fresh and different. Uh, so it's like to be able to, like, I know for me, in any domain of my life, when I fall in love with something, I kind of want all the versions of that thing. If there's something really special to me, you know, like I'll get the printed copy, I'll get the audiobook, I'll get the this one, I'll get the that one. And so, um, you know, we all love the Tropicana Orange, which is core to the story. And we thought, what would it look like if it was about these three really special words? on the front and not necessarily me. Cause for me, when we first came out with the book, it's like, well, that captures my audience, right? People who actually know who I am, but with the paperback, then we have this opportunity to say, okay, well, what about all the folks who don't know who I'm don't give yeah. a crap who I am. Right. Yeah. But we can attract them with perhaps a different message or a different visual on the cover. So it was another opportunity, like on a couple of different levels to freshen things up and to yeah. come at it from a different strategic standpoint. Super smart. I love that. Um, switching gears and kind of in the home stretch here. Yeah. And I've been working on a new program uh, yes. called Time Genius. Um, talk to us about like, what are some of the core concepts and how can authors use those core concepts and principles in that program to write a book? Oh yeah. So, well, this program is really, it was for me, it was something that not only did I need, but I was paying attention to my instincts and just listening to my audience, even on book tour about hearing what people are struggling with and the overwhelm, the exhaustion, the pressure, the feeling of never having enough time to do the things that people really want to do both in their careers, like writing a book. And by the way, I think it's close to 80 to 90% of people either want to write their first book or want to write their next book or Folks just feeling like they don't have time to breathe or be, you know, and we've heard this steady drumbeat of hustle, 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 probably for the past at least seven, eight, if not 10 years. And honestly, it is a broken model. It doesn't work. We're humans. We're not machines. And we're not built to work 24-7, 365 for decades on end. And so all of this anxiety and depression and burnout and, you know, there's all of these things that people are dealing with and not really talking about. So much of it is rooted in people's inability and uh, they don't have practice in using their time effectively in a way that leaves them joyfully productive and feeling spacious and not crunched. So some of the core concepts that we teach in Time Genius, it's really a mindset and paradigm shifting program. I've had people come through it who own productivity companies, like own planner companies and say, I thought mm. I knew everything about productivity and like you totally changed my life. Mm. We had a person in here who writes novels for a living. And she's like, Marie, I was stuck on my last one. She got her novel done in two weeks during the course. She's, it changed oh that gosh. much for her. So wow. some of the things that we teach are first around shifting your mindset out of the world of time stress, which is where you're feeling like you're beholden to your computer, your phone, everyone kind of incoming yeah. this pr pressure that exists to like produce content all the time, engage yeah. all the time, be everywhere, everywhere. 
and shifting over into this time genius paradigm where um, you're really putting what matters most to you first mm. every single day. You're mm. also not stacking up your to-do list. It's around simplicity, but not scarcity. So it mm. actually opens up and we use a lot of brain science, a lot of behavioral science. And I teach people how like actually working eight to 10 hours a day is incredibly ineffective, but most mm. people don't know it. We yeah. also teach them how to optimize their cognitive fuel so that they're aiming it at what matters most at the right time and space for them, yeah. which is not the same for everyone. So yeah. there's a lot of layers to this program, but it's mm. especially effective for writers, because we tend to be the ones who clean and get everything else done and try and do all the little stuff first, and then think that we're going to get a chapter done in the afternoon. Yeah. And it never happens, yeah. ever happens. So um, we're actually, it's I, just to be honest, like I've been teaching for so much of my career for over 20 years. I've never seen people's entire lives transform this fast. Mm two weeks, we have over 600 pages of success stories of people who are on the brink of going like, I can't live this way anymore. This is exhausting. I'm not getting anything done to getting more done than they ever dreamed possible. That's amazing. Well, it's so that, fun. And I, I love that you use the word effective because it sounds like that's almost like the impetus of is effective over efficiency, right? I feel like we've hit it, it, a lot of the traditional is like, oh, how can I do more? How can I do more faster? And I think you're saying is, how can I make sure I'm doing the right things and doing the right things right to me? Is That's that, is right. That kind of, yeah. It is. It's like, how do you spend more of your time on what truly matters and blissfully ignore what doesn't? Yes. Because in today's world, we are really being pushed to consume, consume, consume. And so many of us feel all of these pressures that have been put on us from the things that we've absorbed, again, around posting constantly. If you're not doing this 24 hours a day, you're going to be left behind. You're going to become irrelevant. Blah, blah, blah. It is so depressing. It's so exhausting. It's debilitating. And living in that constant state drenched in cortisol where your adrenals are shot. And it's like, you cannot produce your best work. You can't create magic in a book. That magic is not going to get communicated to your reader and transform their lives if you're in a state of constant exhaustion. And here's the yeah. thing. Most people don't realize we don't have to live that way. That <laughs> You can opt out of that life. And yeah. so it's, it's exciting. That's amazing. Well, hey, I'm going to circle back in just a second. And I, I want to, I want to talk about where people can go um, to find out more about this. But um, before I do that, what would be your parting piece of advice um, for the Marie from, gosh, I guess a couple of decades ago before even book one and yeah. all the other Marie's out there who are thinking about writing a book, knowing what you know now? Um, I would say one is to be really passionate about the idea itself. Like, don't just try and crank out a book to try and crank out a book because every time everyone tells you that you should have a book, that's never the best reading because, because writing a book is so hard. And if you don't have that passion for the idea or the audience who you want to impact, you're not going to get over those humps. I think number two is be very, very clear on who this book is for and who it's not for and be okay with it not being for everyone. That's true in book publishing and it's very true in business, but the more targeted you are with your who for your book, the easier it's going to be for you to make the impact that you were born to make. And then three, I would say um, to really get in the practice of writing consistently, mm. you know, it, and you don't have, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a ton. You don't have to write for six or seven hours, even writing 20, 30 minutes a day, just chipping away at that idea 
you will get so far so fast rather than telling yourself, oh my God, I should be writing. I should be writing. It's like, nope, just sit your ass down and do it. Yeah, I love it. Well, Marie, this has been so amazing. So helpful. Thank you for sharing behind the scenes and sharing your story. Um, Where can people go to check out um, the new Time Genius program? Yeah. Find out more about what you're up to. Check out the book, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So Time Genius is amazing. We actually have a free class that'll be up that people can take and they'll learn so much. If you go to join timegenius.com. That's jointimegenius.com. You'll be able to check everything out, um, get the free class and just start shifting away from the world of time stress, which I think everyone needs. And then generally we have hundreds of free episodes of Marie TV, hundreds of free episodes of our podcast. If you go to marieforleo.com, you can see all of them. And on social, which I'm rarely on, but if I do pop on, it's um, Instagram at marieforleo. Cool. All right. You said it, it is jointimegenius.com. You got it. Right, jointimegenius.com. Uh, check it out, guys. Marie, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, And then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, So number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.